Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with Chizo on a week where our teams have a flaccid bonnet and we're losing Supercoach rookies like JB loses the keys to his podcast room. I'm on once again with Pistol. How are you, champion? <laughs> I'm good, thanks. I thought I was going to get a little bit of a rest, but uh, apparently not. I will be on all podcasts for the foreseeable future because <laughs> I'm just replacing everyone at this stage. Look, it, you've been called up two weeks in a row, so we, we really appreciate your service dropping basically everything and I know you had plans tonight so uh, we make sure that JB really uh, kind of refunds you for all these all the services you're giving us um, I did preface it on my Twitter account pistol JB's missing because he's locked himself out of his own house yeah well that is uh, I, I'm not even mad about it right now <laughs> I guess it's a uh, revenge because this is yeah t- two weeks in a row now. I've had to step up and fill in. I've had to drop everything. I mean, I am joking. Obviously, I had nothing to drop. I don't have a life. But besides <laughs> uh, Super Coach, you know, this is, uh, yeah, this is my life. Jesus, it's pretty sad right now. And uh, essentially, uh, what's happened this week is you're getting paid to play Super Coach because you're in your first grad spot and they're not making you do any work in your first week. So you're essentially just sitting on Super Coach, just uh, trawling through and, and just working on some trades and some, uh, some tweets going out to help the community, mate. No, that, that, that's not it at all, Chizo. <laughs> I, uh, for everyone listening, I am fully committed to the work. I actually don't have reception in my building, so I can't anyway, Chizo. I didn't hear any news until I get home. It's always good when the only Wi-Fi spot you have in the building is the toilet. So uh, I, th- I suppose that really works out for you, mate. Uh, we might as well uh, jump into this round. We've only got seven teams out so far, obviously, with the uh, uh, the later games coming into next week with the, the Anzac Day clashes. Uh, we'll jump into the first round, uh, first game of the round. Absolutely cracking match. Finally, we have a, a decent Friday night game. Uh, Sydney Swans versus Adelaide Crows. We've got a number of different um, changes on either side at the SCG. This is going to be an absolute cracker, mate. Sydney Swans have omitted Nick Newman and Aaliyah Lear. They brought back in Gary Rowan uh, after his personal leave and Harry Marsh uh, coming in as well. On the Adelaide side, we've got Riley Knight, Andy Otten, Jordan Gallucci and Miles Paholke coming in. Uh, Paholke debuting. Now, we did talk about him uh, probably 12 months ago here, Pistol. I remember there was a, 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 a post that we had on the on our Facebook page um, saying that um, of, of players that we were looking at in the 2017 preseason for rookies that uh, we might want to look out for. I mentioned Miles Paholke, and the funny thing was he commented himself on there saying, I don't think I'm going to score you many points playing in the reserve. So um, <laughs> I, 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 I like the bit of banter from Miles. So uh, hopefully he's going to go well. Um, we did um, see that he's a bit more of a inside midfielder. The outs... We should mention now Eddie Betts, obviously, with that hamstring. Rory Sloan is the big out who's injured. David McKay injured as well. And Darcy Fogarty has been omitted. Uh, Paholke probably coming in to fill that Rory Sloan role, being more of that half-forward contested inside bull. He's probably going to play a little bit higher up the ground opposed to, say, Jordan Gallucci who might play a little bit more across the half-forward line, particularly uh, a similar role to maybe a Riley Knight. Um, so this one's going to be an interesting uh, game here, Pistol, and hopefully hopefully, uh, Paholke can get a few games and turn into one of those cash cows I was talking about probably 12 months ago. Jeez, I don't think I actually had to come and fill in for JB because it sounds like you're just going to talk the entire time. <laughs> you know me, mate. If, if I haven't had a podcast within like 10 days, you can't shut me up. <laughs> I'm pretty, yeah, I'm, I definitely have realized that by now, so you've got to make sure you get your podcast fixed, otherwise you get uh, withdrawal <laughs> symptoms. Uh, one of the guys that... Um, 
we can't, uh, well, I, I guess we, we really need to pay a little bit more attention to this week is Rory Laird. Obviously, with the, the way the games are structured this round, a lot of us trying to do the VC and C loophole uh, is going to struggle a little bit. Um, Rory Laird, one of the earlier games, averaging above 120 so far this year. We've had a few uh, tweets come in. Is Rory a decent VC option? And uh, I, I think he is. I think he's, he's worthwhile chucking the VC on their pistol. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's a massive call. Someone that's averaging 120 saying that is a good VC uh, option. But <laughs> I'll go with a, a bigger call. How about Canelio? Um, I know he plays in the second game, so we're not quite there yet. But you're pretty much choosing between um, the, the first and second games, given Alango plays in the third match of the round. But I think I would prefer putting it on Canelio over... Um, a lead, but obviously, if you don't have a choice, um, lead is still a very good option. Yeah, I think um, with lead, the fact that he plays Sydney is probably going to get a little bit more, uh, a little bit more attention. He's the leading handball receive player in the AFL right now, so he's getting a lot of cheap ball. He's probably going to have that impacted a little bit. I know that um, against Sydney, I don't expect him to rack up forty plus disposals again. Uh, on the flip side, that you have mentioned, conversely. Cornelio playing against the Saints more than likely will have a bit of a field day. He's playing his 100th game, so the GWS boys are probably going to towel up the Saints uh, and get up for him. So I, I see no reason to think that um, Cornelio is going to have a poor game. He's been fantastic at will. The, the only thing is that Rory Laird's actually averaging more than Cornelio uh, playing as a running defender pistol. So that's uh, uh, don't discount it anyway. Um, and I think we saw last week with Tom Mitchell, there are no surefire captains in any given week. Um, I've got Dustin Martin and Fife back to front two weeks in a row. Like I literally couldn't have got it more wrong. So um, <laughs> if he if he gets one twenty, I'm just going to take it. I think I think we we can't try and outsmart ourselves because turning down one hundred and twenty nine chasing uh, Titch's hundred and fifty only for him to put up ninety is just. Um, not a great decision in the end. So if you get a 120-plus, in my eyes, some people think it's 130, but without a 100% reliable option uh, week in, week out, um, and particularly with Titch playing uh, Ben Jacobs this week, I think um, it's the potential that anything above 120, I think we should take um, pistol. So uh, that's going to be a a really good game. Tom Duday just... uh, Racking up more and more cash for us, Pistol. It's funny how many defensive rookies we have just averaging 80-plus this year. Basically, our, our whole cash generation is in the defensive half. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And Duday still has a low break-even of just 21. So um, expect him to make a lot more money. Don't ditch him just because he scored 57 last week. And on top of that, he hasn't really scored poorly. I mean, 57 is not that bad. You know, a defender rookie, you're usually expecting to score worse than any other position rookie because that's been the... You know, in the past history, that's what what's happened. And this week, I know he's listed on Buddy. Um, I doubt he's going to actually play on on Buddy. You obviously you're, we're expecting um, Talia to go to Franklin, and today might still get that role kind of in front of Buddy to try and stop him from leading or, or something. In which case, he might hopefully uh, be a little bit more free. Swans don't have that you know, second big tall um, now that reads out. So I think this game will be one that suits um, Dude and I'll be putting him on the field. Yep, absolutely. Appreciate it, mate. Uh, run us through Saints and the Giants. 
Well, Saints have a big in uh, by the name of Hunter Clark. A lot of people have been either trading him out or looking to trade him out, and he comes right in at the right time. Hunter Clark's in, as is Membre and Mavuela. On the outs is uh, Dylan Roberton, Jack Loney, and Rowan Marshall. Um, all of them were injured except for Loney, who was just omitted, and no change on the GWS sides. Um, what did you think of that Dylan Roberton um, illness? I don't know what to really call it at this stage, Chizo. Well, uh, essentially, I've watched the footage. When it boils down to it, he fainted. And you faint when you don't get enough oxygen to your brain. You don't get enough oxygen if there's not enough blood going there. So he's had some sort of cardiac event, cardiac arrhythmia where the heart's not beating in perfect sync at a, at a nice rhythm. Cutting off the blood supply to his brain, you have a you quickly um, you get kind of that that tunnel vision, and you go a little bit dizzy, and uh, you obviously fall over and faint. So he's had some sort of cardiac issue that needs to be investigated. So he probably would have had an echocardiogram when he went to Epworth. Um, these things take a little bit of time. So even if they diagnose him with um, a cardiac arrhythmia and, in, and they know how to fix it or it, it is manageable, obviously Jaden Stephenson, um, uh, first-year player for Collingwood, has a, a, a cardiac issue that they're managing um, uh, with medication, I'm pretty sure. So there are ways to manage it, and it shouldn't influence uh, his performance, obviously having played up to this point of his career, um, I guess not knowing about the situation. So there's no reason to think that he's uh, he's going to have a lasting impact from this. They are going to take some time to make sure that he is going to be absolutely, um, he's going to be fine and that uh, there are no long-lasting effects if he does come out and play. The worrying thing is if they don't get on top of it and it, it, it happens again, like what um, situations he might find himself in, like um, you don't want him to be going into a contest and then suffering the fainting. Luckily, he was standing by himself um, when it happened against the Cats. So in that respect, they're already coming out and saying that he's going to miss a fortnight. That could is, is essentially indefinite until they know exactly what's going on. Once they have a definitive diagnosis, they know how to treatment and they've got a treatment plan up and running, that's when they will be able to figure out a time frame for return. So at this stage, I think if you have Roberton, there's really no issue in my eyes about moving him on, particularly because... Um, he's not even, you know, he, Savage has kind of taken over his early 2017 role anyway, Pistol. So that's my opinion on the situation. We do hope that um, he has a good outcome, a positive outcome from it, and they do, you know, solve the, the, the question mark about his health and then he comes out uh, fine on the other end. Sure. And what impact do you think it will have, not that, you know, on the other players now that he's not playing, do you think someone like um, Caulfield might have to play more lockdown or who kind of replaces him in that St. Kilda backline? Well, that's the interesting thing because they brought in uh, Memory, who's a forward, Clark, who's been playing as a half forward, and Mev Weller that's spending time up forward and then running through the midfield. So they haven't necessarily replaced him with another lockdown defender. So you're absolutely right that the question mark could be whether they get Shane Savage to play a little closer, whether they get Jack Noons to go from being a midfielder to his uh, defensive role, which he be he started his career with. They do have options. I think it's more likely that Savage will keep playing his get-out role and they'll find someone else that is able to fill in the gaps for Dylan Robinson this week. Yeah, I, I think... That, that sounds about right to me. But I think for this game in particular, um, it's not about the ins and outs this week. It's about who 
is the on the emergency bench and who didn't make it back into the team. On the Saints side, um, you're looking at Armitage, who is still an emergency um, after his great performance in the VFL. And on the Giants side, Kelly obviously is still missing, as is Rory Lobb. Now, Kelly has been, um, well, it's said so far that he's going to miss at least two weeks, but also they mentioned it's going to be a week-by-week proposition. So when they say that to you, Chizo, knowing he's already missed last week, do you think we should hold Kelly or trade Kelly? Well, this is groin's a tough man. We've we've already seen that so far in two thousand and seventeen. We'll touch on the Carlton side in a minute, but Cruiser is already someone that suffered a similar injury, and he's missing his second game in five weeks because of it. He plays one week, pulls up sore, doesn't play the next week. I think that's potentially what we can see with Josh Kelly. And they'll want to be conservative with him, particularly early on in the season where the Giants are on a, a they have a really easy run the first six, eight, ten rounds. There's no reason to risk Kelly when they need him in the back half of the season. There's no no reason why he needs to grind out game after game just making it through, not getting through full practice and then turning up for a game and seeing what he can do. They're going to be conservative with him. And for that reason, two weeks for me is usually a 50-50. So... If you've got a, a hamstring or you know something like that, that's two to three weeks. This is the borderline for me about whether I consider trading him out. Sometimes I'll hold for three weeks if it's like you know maybe end of the season you're running low on trades. I think at the start of the year it's so easy to fall behind that if you don't take steps to try and keep up with the pack, you fall so far behind you can't catch up to where you were. So. The fact that Josh Kelly could be carrying this groin issue for a long period of time, they're going to be conservative with him, and it's a week-to-week basis. We don't even know if he's in next week. I'd probably be advocating him moving on if I could. Yeah, I I don't know. It's a really tough one, as you said. I, I usually have a rule, a hard and fast rule, um, three weeks and you're out. And now this is two weeks. You don't count the one... You know, you can't make up for that that week that you've already missed. It's a sunk cost. So two weeks just from now means I will hold him. Um, I know you can't really have such frigid, not frigid, <laughs> such rigid, <laughs> rigid rules. <laughs> Stringent, maybe? That, that, that's kind of like a rigid. Sounds like, yeah. I, I definitely meant rigid and said frigid. <laughs> I was thinking of the flaccid bonnet only just hit me right now at the very beginning of the podcast. The flaccid bonnet hit you. Yep. Jeez. Oh, no. No no more Cox jokes. So um, let's go back to the rigid rules. You, you, you should take it case by case, but um, it makes the game so much more complicated if you're doing that and you, you tend to overthink. So I'm seeing two weeks and he's out. I'm going to hold him. At this stage, my season's almost done. If I have Green on the bench for two weeks and I'm copping 30s from Venables and then I have bloody Kelly on the bench and I'm copping 40s and 30s from Brayshaw and Holman... Um, just falling behind and then no way of catching up. So hopefully can have a strong end to the season and uh, pull back then. But yeah, at the moment, it's just been trades upon trades, just changing players who get injured every week. <laughs> I know, it's struggle street, isn't it? The uh, Someone that I do want to mention out this game, you've uh, brought it up before, Blake Akers. He started the season absolutely on fire. We did look at his heat maps uh, on the AFL app uh, just recently. He's essentially just getting a lot of free ball off the back line there. I, I think um, while the Saints are not really in games, he's not going to get that role impacted upon too much. So I can see his scoring uh, continuing. But as a, a season-long proposition, I think I, I, I'd like... I, I have a few more upgrade targets that I'd like to 
kind of go for in the forward line. I think I'd like to try and go towards a, uh, you know, a, Frank, a Franklin or a Heaney or someone that I know has that scoring potential over 22 games before I go chasing. Uh, we're, we're seeing uh, people this week go from a uh, failing uh, mid-pricer in the forward line to Blake Akers thinking that's a good move. But, it, you know, it, this scoring can turn around just as quickly as he started the season. So um, I just thought that that's some, someone that we, we should mention there, Pistol. Do you have any opinions on Blake Akers? I actually think he'll do all right this season, Cheese. I know it's the unpopular opinion, but I feel like, you know, Jack Noon's last year pretty much went after the halfway mark, just average 100 um, from then on. And, and Akers is kind of running off the back of the square and pushing a little bit up the field. And he's just dominating at the moment. And I think when he's scoring, he scored 144 and three in the 90s. Um, I think there's a real case that he's going to be a top eight midfielder at the end of the day. But the problem I have with him, he's got that round 14 by, and we just can't afford, especially if you're going for overall, you can't really afford to have another round 14 forward because at the end of the day, it's looking like it's going to be McLean, Gray, and then four round 14 forwards um, as our top top six you know, forwards for this year. So um, it's certainly making it very interesting and very difficult to get the best players in when they all have the same buy in the same position. Yeah, and one of the comments that I've been hearing about Ake is that he's getting a lot of midfield time. Now, that's... It, it's, it's not correct, but it's not incorrect either. He's not spending 10 centre bounces a game. He's not in there getting centre clearances. He's coming off the defensive side of the centre square pushing in and then pushing out along the wing to the half forward. He's, he's, if you look at his heat map, it almost looks like Pac-Man. He's getting literally no possessions at the top of the 50 um, straight down the guts. It's all wide, all on the back of the square towards the defensive 50. So he's just getting a lot of cheap ball. So that that's really easy for something like that to be cut off. He's not playing a, a genuine midfielder role in that respect. Um so I would like to see a little bit more exposed form from Blake Akers, but he's definitely started the season really, really well. Uh, we'll jump into the next game. Absolute cracker, isn't it, Pistol? Carlton versus the Eagles at the MCG. Eagles don't travel very well, and Carlton don't play very well. So this is going to be a fantastic <laughs> game, uh, a fantastic game to watch. It's, it's interesting. It's the only one that hasn't been picked up by someone to, uh, to put the scores up for this week. So this is a, um, definitely one that people are looking forward to. On the Eagles side of things, Another rookie goes down with an ankle injury from the Eagles with Dan Venables going out. Mark Hutchings comes in his as his replacement. Carlton side of things, great story with Sam Rowe coming back in from uh, his ACL uh, injury, named at centre-half back. That's really going to help the likes of Liam Jones because he's going to be a, a, another big body in there. And it's probably also going to help the likes of a Cade Simpson and even a Cam O'Shea for those that have them in their sides because they're going to be less likely to play really tight lockdown um, or, or have to spend uh, even less time playing really, really close checking. So that really helps them. Sam Kerry, Jed Lamb, Harry Mackay finally coming in for a game. He's not been cutting up the VFL, but um, I think the uh, the wave of criticism has forces, forced his way in as much as his performance has. And uh, Andrew Phillips also coming in for an injured Matty Cruiser going out with that groin again. Jacob Wiedering also out, David Cunningham, Nick Graham omitted, and surprise, surprise, Matt Kennedy injured again for the second time in, in five weeks. He basically uh, uh, he needs to own a bandage shop because you know, I don't think Carlton can pay for all the sticky tape needs to hold him together. <laughs> I can't believe how often he's been injured. It'd be really terrible moving to a new club, um, you know, finally getting this opportunity to play week in, week out, but then just copying an injury every second week. Poor guy. 
Yeah, I know. It, it is disappointing, uh, mate. Uh, the one person that I do want to talk about um, in this game that's going a little bit unheralded is uh, Jared Gartlett. He, for those that started him, he's been actually fantastic as a rookie option. We've got all these um, expensive rookies that um, have come into the season. You've got your Dows, your LDUs, your Brayshaws that have just been scoring basically donuts. He's just one of these cheap guys that we've had that isn't a defender that we can just have in our side and we don't have to worry about him. It's been great. I think, has anyone played Gartlett? at all uh, this season. I, I, had feel to, like... I had to play him a couple of times because I had Sicily out, I had Green out, I had Langdon out. So he's been playing on my field. I love him. Maybe that's well, why I noticed him. Maybe that is why. It's just everyone is so scared of him. They always put him on the bench every week. But he's actually, you know, the best, pretty much the best forward scoring rookie at this stage um, that's still playing. And yeah, everyone's just too scared to put him on the field. But, you know, maybe it's time. This week, um, I think Carlton are a much better chance than people are giving them credit for this week, Cheezo. As you said, Eagles do not travel well. Carlton have something to prove. Um, I think this might be a tighter contest and a game where Garlic could score quite well. Yeah, he, he um, definitely has the potential to score quite well this week. The next thing that I just thought about, with Carlton not having a really a genuine ruckman, um, no offence to Andrew Phillips, Nick Nat could go absolutely crazy. And under his feet, the likes of Elio and Andrew Gaff and even Shuey, these guys could just get absolutely off the chain. Well, I mean, Nick Nat has been scoring incredibly well um, per minute. Um, he's actually going at a ridiculously insane rate. Um, but the thing is, he's still only going to get 55% game time, Chizo. So as much as he'll dominate when he's on the field, he's not going to be on the field very long. So maybe that it, it won't be that helpful. Um, I mean, it'll be helpful while he's on, but overall it won't affect the game too much. I think um, players like Paddy Cripps are going to win the ball no matter who's in the ruck. So it's kind of you know a, a little bit less relevant. So the next thing I want to talk about is Mark Hutchings over the last kind of 12 months, has spent some time as a tagger. We've seen last week Ben Jacobs keeping Paddy Cripps pretty quiet. I think it was only 17 or 19 touches or whatever he got to. Is there any concern that we need to worry about Paddy Cripps, A, attracting a tag, and B, not getting many um, hitouts in his advantage because they don't have a ruckman? Small concern. I don't think Hutchings doesn't have the body type that will be able to go with Cripps. Uh, I think he might just play a bit more forward, kind of exactly in the same position that Venables has been playing, that, you know, half-forward type role. So I'm not, not too concerned about that, Chizo. Okay, too easy. Just thought I'd clear that out. Uh, take <laughs> us through the next game, Fremantle and Western Bulldogs. We do uh, we have an, uh, another debut in this game. Yeah, we do. His name's uh, Talon Duman, and uh, Ed Langdon is also in for Fremantle, I should say. Uh, Talon is a 123K defender, Chizo. Uh, Michael Johnson is out, and Tommy Sharon is out. Tell me, do you know anything about uh, Duman? Like, I'm pretty sure you did a little bit of research uh, before the podcast. Do you want to share what you found? Well, it's one of those things where you get rewarded for effort. The reason that I mentioned Harry McKay in the last game is that he's playing well. He's not really kind of beating the door down and forcing his way into the side. It's just uh, he's getting away um, through you know public outcry, basically. On the Fremantle side of the things, Duman played absolutely fantastic last week. 28 disposals, 10 marks. Um, 
he's developing into a good player. He's just like Bailey Banfield. He's another rookie from Frio that's getting a game. 192 centimetres, 79 kilos. So he's a little bit of a string bean. But he's uh, he, he averaged 75 uh, super coach points uh, in 10 of his last 11 games in the 2017 season playing for the Peel Thunder in the league. Uh, 17 disposals and uh, a couple rebound 50s. Good contestant possession ratio for a general defender as well. He could be a good pick. The fact that he's cheap is really, really good. I think the fact that um, he's probably coming in uh, for the likes of a, a Michael Johnson who's been rested who is also the first emergency. So, uh, you know, explain that one to me. Not really sure. <laughs> um, he's, he's definitely going to uh, uh, be able to, uh, you know, hold his own. I don't think we should expect anything uh, too high from him, but it is fantastic to see him getting game. I am a little bit worried about his job security, obviously. Coming into – we see a lot of these guys come into the AFL – realize that the game's just so much quicker than the level down and then they get spat out after a few games. So uh, the, the likes of Matt Guelphy and stuff like that as well, I do want to make sure they're on the bubble before I get these guys. Uh, we see a lot of people bring them in after one week and you know that's just my personal opinion, but um, I, hopefully he becomes another rookie that we can look at. Yeah, jumping the gun there, mentioning the other rookies from the other games, but yep. something that has been great all season, Ross Lyon is playing the kids every week, Chizo. They're not getting dropped. I mean, Andrew Brayshaw obviously hasn't set the world on fire, but he's still getting a game every week. And I know we've got a lot of questions about Brayshaw and should they trade him, should they hold him. It's In my mind, it's just wait till the buy. Wait until there's buy and get rid of him. What is the rush? I know he's an expensive rookie and you can downgrade him right now and you can get a little bit of money for Caulfield. What, you're going to get like 30K? Just wait. Who might drop this week and go down, but surely in the next six, seven weeks, he hasn't been dropped so far. It can only get better for Brayshaw is essentially what I'm saying. He's going to have at least one game where he does okay, and he'll just make more cash than he's already made. And there's there's no, you're not in a rush. It's plenty of game, plenty of season left. So just hold it out. He's a slow burn. It wasn't what we expected. We thought he'd make a lot of money very quickly. Hasn't worked out, but he can still make a lot of money, Chizo. I think it's absolutely madness to trade him out right now. Yeah, one score resets his break even, so that um, and that'll be great. Obviously, Bailey Banfield's been fantastic as well. So for for those that have him, Ed Richards was fantastic last week after a slow three quarters. Came back in the last quarter to. Uh, uh, kind of rescue his score after everything was uh, looking a little bleak. Um, it, it's good to see that uh, he signed on for another couple of years during the week. They really do like his disposal out of the back half, and I actually see him as, as one of those rookies that I can. Uh, I, I'm seeing a bit of confidence in that he will get a consistent string of games with the doggies because his disposal is is really good. Yeah, he was very impressive in that last quarter um, against Swans last week. He just. I think he had like a 40-point quarter as well. So um, he salvaged his game and obviously bought himself another week. And hopefully he kills it this week. Um, I'm actually considering playing on the field this week. So hoping as a big game. But I think it's been surprising. Well, maybe not that surprising, but Norton's come good finally. He's had two good games in a row. Um, against Fremantle, it's not a bad matchup for Norton this week. He, Do you think he's a sneaky pick to play on your field? He's coming off a 78. I don't see any reason why not. I think he's starting to come into his own. He's uh, generating score from his, his marks and his intercept possessions and things like that. So I, I wouldn't have a problem with playing him on our field. The only option, the only thing would be is that we do have so many defensive rookies that are scoring well in our back line. I mean, if you've already got Finlayson, uh, Duday, and Sam Murray, 
I don't think you're going to have another spot for Norton on the field. If you do, if you do have Norton in your side, like you're you're only playing one or maybe two uh, defensive premiums, so that's the only only situation I could see him to put him. If you're in that situation, I and you don't have uh, those guys, I've got no reason to to say no against him playing playing on your field. I think that's great. Um, yeah, obviously uh, um, on the doggy side of things, Tommy Boyd's back in pistol. Yeah, Tom Boyd, that's a big in. Obviously, that's uh, because Jack Redpath is injured again. I should read the rest of the Zane Cordy's in. Patrick Lipinski, Lucas Webb, and Tom Boyd. And out goes uh, Biggs, Bailey Williams, Jack Redpath, and Lockie Hunter, who is suspended. Chizo, on the Bulldog side, there's one man. JB's going absolutely nuts for him. Toby McLean, he's been an absolutely ripper pick do we scramble to get him before his price absolutely skyrockets? I mean, he's already at 520k. He could get up to 600k at this rate. Like, when when is the time to make a move, Chizo? He's absolutely killing it, isn't he? I think the only thing that I would say is that if we try and short all of the all of these rookies now, it's going to hurt our team in the long run. If we just start cashing rookies in before they hit their peak, we not only burn through trades, but we don't make as much money as what we can. So getting Toby McLean now means we might not get Isaac Heaney later. So I would probably be a little bit hesitant to try and prioritise him. I think um, an example of someone that I think you would need to prioritise over the next fortnight to three weeks would be a danger field if you didn't have him in. He's someone that can really hurt you if he's, he, he gets uh, injury-free and he gets form and he starts going 140s. I think Toby McLean is interchangeable with... Um, the likes of an Isaac Heaney or, or a Franklin or something like that. So um, I think you're going to be able to pick him up later on in the piece. It may cost you a little bit, but it's not worth jumping the gun at this stage. But he has been absolutely fantastic. And uh, I, I think it was maybe your first and maybe your second tweet you ever put out after we peer pressured you into signing up for Twitter. <laughs> Toby McLean will go 95 this year. That was your... That was your prediction. I think we 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 need to write down an absolute like list of the predictions we've made over the preseason just to see how many we can tick off. Um, and he's one of yours, and I think you bang on the money. I I think he's going to be a, a top six, top eight forward going on the form that we've seen. He's got the the right role. He's forced Luke Dahlhouse out of that um uh, out of that role. You know, he's he's uh, if you compare the two, he's just playing so much more uh, through the center and and being so much more of a um, an impact player that he's just been fantastic. Well. I think the biggest thing for Toby McLean is he has the best buy. Um, you know, he's, he's got the very first buy in the buy rounds. You're not competing with that round 14 area. So I think it's tough because you want to get him in now, but at the same time, you could get him after his buy. Um, so it's it's kind of a tricky situation. Um, but, you know, every team's different, so it depends how much money you have. And I think most people are probably doing their first upgrade next week. Um, as well, so not too big of a deal this week. Let's just see how he scores on the weekend. Let's go into the next game, Chizo. Yep, absolutely. We'll jump into Port Adelaide and the Cats. This is going to be fantastic. Adelaide Oval, Dangerfield going back to his old home ground. Uh, Trent McKenzie, the Cannons have been omitted along with top, uh, Tom Rockliffe. It says injured, but you know they need a need a reason for him to be playing so poor. Jakey <laughs> Need comes in. Uh, well, Jake, here's the thing: uh, 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 Jake Need and Jack Homsch. Uh, Homsch is obviously going to be replacing uh, Trent McKenzie in that defensive role. Jakey Need, a small pressure forward, coming in for Tom Rockliffe, who's been you know he spent a bit of time tagging, but he's been playing about 41, 42 percent in the forward line this year. Uh, it's almost like uh, um, Jakey needs coming in to play that, that forward pressure role that Tom Rockliffe isn't able to do right now. So um, uh, that's a, an interesting one for me. Uh, the best news is that Riley Bonner has 
Um, he's kept his spot. Jasper Pittard, we were a little bit worried having 28 disposals and 10 marks or something in the, the sample looking really good. Uh, Hinkley coming out saying he probably needs at least one more game in the sample before uh, he comes into consideration for an elevation to the uh, the AFL squad. And Don Barry had a solid yet uh, uninspiring performance last week. Uh, 19 possessions, just kind of middle tier for um, uh, the, the Port uh, reserve side. On the cat side of things, we've got Jackson Thurlow coming in for his first game of the year with James Parsons. Out goes Corey Gregson, injured yet again, and Zach Guthrie, who's been omitted. Uh, we had a few worries during the uh, uh, during the week with Paddy Dangerfield being reported to have a calf corky pistol. Do you think that's going to limit him this week? It's tough to say, but I think he's, he'll be playing injured. They, they, they can't afford to lose any games, and they can't afford to not play Dangerfield. So um, he'll probably be playing sore. I don't know if he'll be limited because he's just a freak. But it's a, it's a little bit worrying. It hurts a bit as, as an owner, someone who started him. You've already copped that zero on the first week and then obviously he hasn't lived up to the high expectations that we had. So to hear on top of all of this that he has another cocky, it's just another blow, um, which is a bit... Which is a bit sad, Chizo. It's all it's all adding up. But uh, John Kuniko last week had a big score, 109. Um, getting his second game, he's priced at 186k. Kind of not on anybody's radar. He is an expensive rookie, but it's it's Geelong have been playing these rookies the whole season so far, Chizo. So if he comes out this week and scores well again, I mean he's going to shoot to the top of everyone's you know get in list. Um, what what do you make of Jordan Kuniko as an option? I mean, he's been on the list for quite a few years. I think this is his fourth or fifth year now. I think it might have been his fourth year. And he's he's played one game last year, I think it was, for a 45, which has inflated his price. Isn't it crazy that he plays one game for a mid-40s and he's 188K at the start of this year? I think that's... Uh, surely gets a discount for being uh, playing less than three games or something like that. Um, the the thing with Kuniko, though, is that during his VFL games for, for the Cats, he's not a huge ball winner there either. He only had 21 touches. He did have seven contested possessions last week uh, against the Saints, but he's not going to play the Saints in an absolute smashing at home every week. And he went at a, a, a he played pretty much through the center and all over the ground. So he wasn't locked to a forward or defensive role. So he just kind of ambled around as he pleased. He went at 81% disposal efficiency. I don't think that's not sustainable. That's something you see from like a, um, a Rory Laird who gets uncontested possessions for fun and kicks to people with no one on them. So um, I, I think that expecting him to be another Tim Kelly is a little bit um, a little bit crazy. I think he, he might not have any, uh, any problems going a, a 70 or 75 over the long term if he continues to get games. But is he just another one of these expensive rookies that's going to burn us? Uh, have we not listened to Nicey <laughs> preach to us enough? Don't get these expensive rookies because they are going to burn you. And even though you could argue that he's a little bit of a mature age rookie because he's been on the list for so long, I just feel like he's going to be another one of these guys that could come in and get spat out really quick and they're just super expensive and you know you make absolutely no money and burn trades with him. I'm just a bit upset that Charlie Constable hasn't played yet because he's someone I'm really, really interested in getting. So, yeah, it feels like it's just a bit of a bummer. Geelong have seemingly done everything to hurt our super coach sides all year. Um, but, Chizo, jumping back to the Port Adelaide side, just a quick mention, you said um, Jasper Pittard won't play until he plays another sample game. They they actually have the bye this week, so mm. they have to have two weeks um, more for at least Riley Bonner. I doubt he, he gets dropped 
um, at the end of this week. But Don Barry, he's on the emergencies, but he doesn't really look like getting getting back in the side chaser, which means we've pretty much got a, a dead rookie that we're going to have to get rid of that didn't make any money. He's only at 150k, which is pretty disappointing, and no midfield rookies on the horizon um, in the in the coming week. So. It's kind of a sad, sorry and sad situation for our, our rookie and cash generation at the moment. Um, Chizo, Robbie Gray last week had 39 possessions. Oh, he scored 145. <laughs> he saved my week. Um, just He was phenomenal. But he actually isn't playing that much through the midfield. He's still splitting his time 60% forward and 40% in the midfield. He's just scoring unbelievably well. Obviously, he scored three tons in a row. So when I say, do you think he's worth getting in? The answer is going to be yes. But given he's not actually playing as a full-time midfielder, is this type of scoring sustainable? And if it isn't, then should we be getting him now or should we be waiting until after his buy to get him? Robbie Gray can average 100, 100 for the year. He can be the top averaging forward in 2018. The thing is that you're going to be forced to replace him for a rookie in round 10 when other people won't. So I like to not refer to it as points, but the amount of premiums that you can play over the, the course of the year. So even though this uh, this year I've had to um, bench Toby Green and James Sicily and things like that, even though I'm not getting a donut, I'm still not fielding as, much pre- as many premiums as other people, and that's why you fall behind. So... If you're bringing in Robbie Gray, I think you've got to take that into consideration to make sure, you know, um, whether you're going to have cover because we've already lost um, Ryan, we've lost uh, Venables just in the last fortnight. That's something I would take into consideration for Robbie Gray. I've got absolutely no dramas with him being the top scorer because he has... He's one of the most impactful players in the competition. He's There's a reason he's on the AFL ads before the game during the week because he just does special things. He probably can't average in the high 30s of disposals every week. I'd more consider him kind of your mid-20s to 30 um, with a few goals kicked in, the, in, in there. I don't think he's going to be uh, long-term averaging that kind of... Uh, that that amount of uh, ball during the, during the game. So... Yes, I can see why you would trade him in. And the fact that he's uh, lowly owned because people are staying away from him, he could be an absolutely fantastic pick. And since you traded him in for Sicily, that's all I've heard about is, <laughs> is how great a pick he is. And, uh, look, I, I can't... Uh, at the end of the day, if you've got him in, you know, I'd, I'd fist bump that. I think that's a good move. And it, it's something different, and I like it. <laughs> well, thank you, Chizo. But, yeah... I- if you have cover, which hopefully we do have cover at that stage, it's going to make no difference if you get that rookie score in the buy or you get rookie score, I should say rookie score in the round 14 buy because all the forwards have the round 14 buy, um, or if you're going to get a rookie score in round 10. So the same amount of premiums we played, but you probably get a better premium, Robbie Gray. He, I think he's going to go up a lot in price, but he will also drop a lot in price at some stage just because he has been inconsistent in the past. I think it's now, this week, or you're waiting until after the buy, just because his price after this 145, it's going to get a bit out of hand, and you, you probably will stop getting as good value as you could get um, for some other players. So, um, yeah, it's pretty much now or, or wait till after the buy, I think, for Robbie Gray. And they also have a much, much easier draw after their buy. Um, I believe they play like six of eight games at Adelaide Oval, you know, something um, after their buy or something like that. So, and it's it's getting tough. I mean, Geelong Geelong cats are no slouches, so 
yeah, some, something to consider, that's for sure. But Chizo, how about we go into the North Melbourne versus Hawthorne game? And just before we do that, I just want to ask you a question. Sure. The fifth most traded out player right now is Riley Bonner. And in my his average for the year is still higher than his break even. So he's not going to lose your, lose your money this week. Is... Do you advocate trading Riley Bonner? What's your what's your thoughts? It's a tough question. I think it depends on your team. I am leaning towards training Riley Bonner myself this week. The reason isn't a money... Well, it's not about break-even and him not reaching his break-even. It's more about I want to play the good rookies on the field. And I don't feel like... If you're having a Bonner on the field over like someone, um, let's say Sam Murray, who's on your bench you're not really gaining anything because Bonner's not really outscoring Murray. You, you may as well downgrade Bonner and bank 200k and just play Murray um, on the field anyway. So I think with the emergence of the rookies, as I said, you've got um, Kuniko that's played well, probably Gelfi um, from Essendon as well as, you know, Zach Arles Langdon maybe next week. Dave Mira um, will play his second game this week. If all these players play in the exact same week, you can only get two. So... By going early, which obviously we generally do not advocate for, and I would not be getting it um, for any of the forward options, um, the only person I'm considering going early on is David Mira from Hawthorne, then you have flexibility next week to get more of the rookies who are seemingly scoring better Chizo. So I think you need every team is different. I would hold Riley Bonner unless I am doing it for the reason so that I can get more of the rookies next week. Otherwise, it's a it's a stronghold. I think it's it's very situational. Um, he will make more money. He will score better than he is scoring um, over the next couple of weeks. And even if you want to hold him through the buy rounds, I don't believe for one second that he's going to keep scoring these 60s. Um, he's too good for that. But if you do need to get a rookie onto your field or whatever, then I think uh, Mira in for Bonner might be a, a go move. Yeah, and the thing is, he's not playing bad. There's, like, I don't understand why everyone's, you know, freaking out trying to get rid of him. Like, he's he's doing exactly what we expected. He's essentially a first year player. He's only played less than a handful of games, so he's going to have these ups and downs. So, stick with him. I think he's going to be making us a little bit more cash as time goes on. So, um, he he he's probably someone that's perfect to trade out at his buy in round ten and use that cash somewhere. So, um. It, it, that's probably what I'll be looking at. Uh, as you say, we'll, we'll jump into the next game, North Melbourne and Hawthorne. Run us through that one. All right. So on the North Melbourne side, there's no confirmed outs, just onto the extended interchange. You've got Ben McKay, Sam Wright, Will Walker, and Cameron Zuhar. And on the Hawthorne side, out goes Cyril with that injury, and as well as Poppy, Paul Popolo, out with injury. In comes any one of, because they're all on the extended bench and all probably have equal chance of playing, Ryan Burton, James Cousins, Will Langford, James Warple, Caden Brand, and Mitch Lewis. Chizo, I am looking at this Hawthorne bench right now, and I cannot for the life of me pick out the four players that I think are going to play because it seems like every single player on the bench has a chance of getting into this Hawthorne squad. Um, well, I'll, I'll postulate that they're going to bring in at least two forwards because Cyril and, and Poppy are out. Uh, in for Box Hill against Frankston last week, uh, Mitchie Lewis had 14 touches, uh, eight tackles, five marks, and three goals too. So potentially he could be coming in as a replacement for one of those guys who um, uh, was a, a, a decent play last week. 
Um, on top of that, Cousins had one goal to 27 touches and eight tackles. So he was playing a little bit more up and around the ground. Uh, Burton himself had 24 touches and two goals won. So like a lot of these guys even had fantastic games on the weekend. And uh, James Warple is one of these guys that we were looking at in the preseason, a inside midfielder contested beast. Um, the only thing that we should probably think about is Will Langford has played as a kind of a pressure, um, almost like a forward tagger before for the Hawks. Um, you know, he's got a bit more experience. The likelihood of coming in over one of these guys is uh, is strong as well. As you say, it's, it's going to be tough to try and figure out which one of these guys uh, comes in and out. I think maybe Connor Glass also gets dropped for Ryan Burton because, um, you know, they sent him back uh, probably to teach him a lesson more than anything. Pistol, uh, what's your take on, on the guys they might take in? I, I, I think I can probably see Mitchie Lewis, um, maybe a Will Langford coming in for, for Poppy and Cyril. Ryan Burton in for Glass. And you know, like I'm really hoping Warple gets a game, but I'm just not sure who goes out for him. Well, I mean, I'm glad you're discussing all of those players because to me that seems like David Mira is safe and uh, hopefully he will continue to be safe because I think he's going to be quite a good option. He scored 77 uh, last weekend, but it was how he actually played that was, to me, what stood out rather than his super coach points. He completely shut down Hogan. Now, Hogan was on like 50 points at quarter time and then they decided, okay, it's not working with Frawley. Let's just put David Mira on him, see how he goes. And he did a fantastic job for the rest of the game. Like, he, he was so good. And they even decided at times to throw Frawley forward. So, um, Mira is being rewarded for how well he played. And hopefully, um, he gets more games. And, and I guess we'll see this week because North Melbourne actually have a, a decent decent forward line. So, um, this will be an interesting game for sure. But I think the biggest question, Chizo, I have to ask, Ben Jacobs, who do you, your gut call, who do you think he, he goes through this week? Um, well, they they tagged Titch last week and they did a, did a whole lot of good, didn't they? He still had twelve clearances, <laughs> <laughs> so so it just goes to show you how well how easy it is to t- to shut down. He had no influence, did he? No. <laughs> he, I, I think zero. That, he, I think last week proved enough um, that you know you can't stop the, the man. You can't stop him. You can limit him. You really can't stop his influence because then everyone else gets off the chain. Uh, Jaeger had an absolute blast. Um, I don't think after one game in three years that's been semi-decent, they'll send the best tagger in the AFL to him. I'd be more worried about Liam Shields because last week he walked away with the 10 Coaches Association votes as best on ground. He's probably going to get the three Brownlows as well. He was absolutely fantastic. He is someone that I can see them sending Ben Jacobs to, leaving Tom Mitchell free to just accumulate possession again. I'm sure that that, that Ben Jacobs might, um, you know, you you often see games where they swap between the two when, you know, Mitchell starts getting up and going. They just want to kind of knock knock him off his rhythm so they'll put Jacobs on for a quarter or, you know, two or something like that. But I think Liam Shields is the one that's uh, going to be the most uh, influential um, in terms of being out of curb his, his influence on the game with a tagger pistol. I have a theory completely just made up right now on the spot <laughs> i think what's going to happen is they're going to talk the talk and keep saying how they're going to tag jaeger the whole week and then push comes to shove first center bounce ben jacob straight on tom mitchell that's my prediction um not not a big call but i think yeah people as you said might be getting carried away with jaeger's one massive game and although he did look unbelievable um leaving 
leaving Tom Mitchell to get 50 possessions, surely it's just not still, even though he, he did so well with the 19 and we saw it, can he do it again? I don't know. This will be a great week to see. So I don't feel comfortable this week putting my big C on Tom Mitchell. I think I'm going to be looking elsewhere, Chizo. Especially with our, our captaincy, uh, vice captaincy options, uh, you you almost have to pick a captain this week. There's there's not much of a chance to get a reliable VC either. So um, I, I understand exactly what you're talking about there, mate. Uh, Jimmy Sicily has just been scoring off the chain when he's not punching blokes, mate. <laughs> uh, are you getting a little bit of uh, a little bit of FOMO happening here, mate? Talk to me about it. Chizo, I have to admit something. <laughs> I've traded him back into my team. <laughs> no. He's come back in. I've traded him out because I was going to cop a zero with uh, all the injuries. Guys, Langdon, Green, you know, Sicily. Decided to trade Sicily to Gray, which has been awesome. But then I have decided this week, Bonner's down to Mira. And Venables, who is out for 10 to 12 weeks, has gone back to Sicily. Um, Look, we were hot on him in the preseason for a reason. It was because his ceiling is so high for a defender. He barely has to touch the ball to score well. I think... He's getting about 20 possessions a game, and he's averaging 98 Chizo. Um, he doesn't need to do that much to score so well, and you just got to hope. You just have to hope that instead of punching blokes, he just punches the ball, and he makes it through the season, because if he's not going to miss a game for the rest of the season, he will end up being easily within the top six defenders this year. I don't even think that's a big call. Um I think he's right there in the top six defenders. And he's only 424k, so he's still really cheap. It's a big call. It's a risky call, especially because uh, he could get suspended this week, for all I know, which would be absolutely devastating. They sent Ben Jacobs to uh, <laughs> send ben Jacobs to Sicily. <laughs> um, <laughs> that would be shattering. Um, but, yeah, I just think he's good value. He's going to be a top defender. Um, I can grab him this week in my forward line and, and fix a problem that I have and swing him back later in the year. It's just, it's lining up. I miss him. I miss him. I think that's most of it. But here we go. I'm back on Chizo. I'm going to roll, ride the roller coaster. Yeah, so the, the reason that I can see someone wanting to go early on a Sicily is because he's got that 61 rolling through his average where he copped attention from Geelong and got suspended. He's only played the three games, so he's only had one price rise, which even with a 61, he's still gone up 27K. If I contrast that to a, a Toby McLean that's already at 523K, he, you know, the boat's gone if you haven't... Uh, it's already left the harbour. You can't jump on the Toby McLean uh, w- without having to shell out serious, serious coin that you uh, you just don't expect for... Uh, for someone like a Toby McLean, I think with Sicily is that he hasn't really uh, he hasn't left yet. You know, if you are liking what he's putting up, you can jump on now, and you don't. Otherwise, you're going to miss him. I think so. He's one of those guys that has fantastic scoring potential, but God, it's a it's such a worry when you <laughs> see him starting to get attention halfway oh. through a game, and you're just like, no, there's there's still forty minutes of this game left. That's plenty of time for him to punch someone. Like it's just. It's uh, it's a little bit stressful, I've got to say. Um, but but I, I, I appreciate you coming clean and letting know the community <laughs> your thoughts. You're not, not not hiding, not cowering behind uh, the fact that we can't see your team. So uh, I appreciate that, mate. We'll jump into the last game that we've got uh, teams for the Lions versus the Suns at the uh, at the Gabba. 
Uh, obviously, extended benches again. And again, we've got another game with just ridiculous interchanges that we've got to somehow only pick four from. Uh, on the Suns kind of things, they, they haven't had anyone announced as out yet. Jesse Lonergan, Max Spencer, Mickey Barlow, and Matt Rose are coming in. On the Lions side of things, we have Dan McStay, Ryan Bassanak, Jacob Allison, uh, Ryan Lester, Jake Barrett, and Oscar McInerney. Sam Mays omitted, Reese Matheson omitted. The first one that jumps off the page, their pistol, Oscar McInerney, why would they be bringing a rookie Ruckman onto the extended bench? It's a little worrying. I don't know if Steph, uh, Big Steph is carrying something maybe. I'm, I'm not really sure. Maybe they, just just in case. Yeah, I, I can't, it's a bit of a strange one, but there's extra emergency spot this year maybe they're just making good use out of it who knows but i i'm very worried right now especially with all the ruck drama we've already had to go through this year you with cruiser and uh us with Ryder. this is not good science when we've traded in steph martin i know it's a uh in hindsight it would have been great to get on grundy and luckily Cruiser's uh, not around this week, so I, I have every excuse to pick the guy I wanted to start with before I was pressured out of starting him. Um, so that's good. Um, I uh, It's going to be a good game. The thing that I want to talk about on the Sun side of things, listen to this extended venture pistol. We've got Jesse Lonergan, Max Spencer, Aaron Hall, Nick Holman, Michael Barlow, Matt Rosa, Ben Ainsworth, Cade Kolodazny. Wow. How are they going to pick three not to play this game? I mean, for starters, how are they going to pick four not to play this game? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, KK surely is going to, is going to play. Uh, ben Ainsworth hasn't been poor, so you'd think Ben Ainsworth is going to play. And then you've got two out of Matt Rosa, who's genuinely a good AFL player, Mickey Barlow, Nick Holman, Aaron Hall, and Jesse Lonigan, and Max Spencer, and you have to pick two of them. I mean, surely Holman is no better than a 50-50 chance of lining up this week. I mean, it's incredibly tough to pick. And if he doesn't get up, I think there's going to be a whole bunch of people that just are going to be playing without an interchange bench this week, Chizo. I think there could be a lot of donate for donuts. Though I think we need to own up. If, if Nick Holman's a laid out playing the last game on Sunday, we could potentially see some money for the Cancer Council pistol. So that's uh, it's an upside. That is an upside. Now, uh, I just want to say, I've got a, a close friend that plays for the Gold Suns, uh, Gold Coast Suns Reserves, and he's been... Humble I, brag. I, yeah, <laughs> humble brag. I I rang him this week and was like, Barlow's put up 36 touches and 46 touches. On the weekend, he had 46 uh, disposals, 22 kicks, 24 handballs, 8 marks, 6 tackles, and it could have been even better. He had 2 behinds. And they were playing the the Giants reserve, so it, it wasn't like it was a, an easy beat team. He's too good to be playing Neville, surely. He, he, he like I, I I asked about him. They he, they have no idea either. Like they have no idea why Barlow's playing um, in the Neville. The only thing that he can say is that he's been absolutely fantastic for these youngsters that are coming through. So. Um, He's kind of playing like a role model and they get to shadow him around. So while that's good for those guys, I don't understand why someone of this um, this magnitude, how good of a player he is, they can be keeping out of the Sun's side when they're struggling so much. So for me, you know, it, it leaves us with the question, we've got 
Uh, Ainsworth, Colodagny, Rosa, I think, will come in, and Barlow just absolutely banging the door down. I can only assume that he has to come in this week. Um, and that means we've got Aaron Hall and Nick Holman that don't make the extended bench, or don't don't make the interchange. So um, I, I think it's even worse than 50-50 pistol. I don't think Nick Holman's going to be there. I mean, he's got a break-even of 25 as well, so it's not someone that you really want to trade because when he plays next, he's going to make money. And surely, I mean, yes, he had a poor game, but he's been so good for the other three weeks that, he hasn't earned enough credits to, to play another match. I don't know, Cheese. I, I reckon he's, he's a good chance of coming back at some stage. Um, it just gets concerning when you've got, you know, the Harry Wig that still hasn't got, got to play. It, it's going to feel like it's a Will Brody type situation where he just falls back in the pecking order of midfielders and then just won't play again. And he hasn't made enough cash, but he also has a low break even, so you don't want to trade him out. And it's just going to become a really difficult situation, especially when people have Barry as well on the bench. We're just going to end up without enough cash to complete our teams. The cash generation this year is completely terrible besides the backline, Chizo. Yeah, and uh, you, you did mention uh, a Will Brody and a Harry Wig situation. I I, I did touch uh, ask on uh, how they were going. Uh, Will Brody, two goals, one, 26 disposals, six tackles, four marks. Um, he's really building. Uh, it looks like he's going to uh, come in around you know the buy period and probably pay, play um, a solid uh, a solid set of matches in the centre of the year. So that, that that's going to be good for for those that. Uh, looking uh, to pick up Will Brody as a rookie. He's looking really good this year. It does uh, kind of hurt owners that started the season with him. You might be hanging on to him a little bit. Uh, Harry Wig just building his fitness up. Uh, he shouldn't be too far away either. 25 touches uh, and eight marks, playing a little bit more outside. Uh, he's looking really, really good as well. So uh, the, the Gold Coast do have a, a, a few players coming through. It's just a. I don't think we really have a reading on what uh, Stewie Jew is doing this year. He seems to... Um, he's a little bit like, uh, I guess, a perception of Luke Beveridge where he's kind of like, this is my way and this is how we're doing it. And, you know, starting off your coaching career, that's fair enough. So, uh, you know, maybe he said to Michael Barlow and these kind of guys, you're going to be playing Neeful for 10 rounds, do this, do that, and then we'll consider, you know, after that point. So we have such a limited amount of information on how they, they go about business that even though Barlow's uh, averaging something, you know, 40 disposals over the last two weeks, maybe he's not going to come in. I mean, your guess is as good as mine. I guess we'll find out soon enough. Chizo, let's jump into the captaincy options for this week. We've covered the VC. It's not very many. I mean, if you did take a Luke Lavender, you have the pick of the bunch this week. Um, So let's assume all of the players are on the table. Um, Who would you VC and C this week? Just give give me two VCs if you have the choice. And give me two C option. Give me one C option. <laughs> okay, so if we're considering we've got the Luke Lavender from Essendon and we can pick anyone, it literally opens up every other team, Pistol. So Correct. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to assume that um, all of us have a Lango just for argument's sake because, it, because it's going to make <laughs> it more difficult. Ruin the gonna, question, Cheese. It's going to make it more difficult, and I think that's more important. Because okay. if we have if we have lavender, that's the last game of the round. We can pick anyone we want. I, I don't, I'm not sure that's helpful. Oh, how's um, it been going for you this this so far it, this season? It, yeah, maybe I'm not the right person to ask. <laughs> We've got to wait for the hugs captains to come up. That's true. Um, Sydney versus Adelaide on the Friday night. If you're, um, I've got no problems going with like a a, a buddy or um, a Laird. 
I think I think they could be good options. I think the first game on Saturday at Etihad Stadium, I think that uh, Canelio is going to absolutely towel up St Kilda. So um, he's personally my VC at this stage. Um, and I think, like you say, maybe uh, oh, this is the hard one. I, I, I'm a little bit worried about uh, putting the C on someone like Danger um, if we aren't able to VC loophole because carrying that corky on his his calf, I think he's going to continue that uh, majoritive uh, role forward and we're going, not going to be seeing him running through the midfield the whole game. So that, that's something a little bit worrying. The the one that I do like this week as a captaincy option pistol is Nat Fife at home against the Bulldogs. So far at uh, the new Optus Stadium, he's put up scores of 120 and 160, uh, averaging 140 at home pistol. He could Huge. be a really, really good choice and Huge. I don't think the Bulldogs have anyone that can tag him. Mitch Honeychurch ran with uh, uh, Zach Merritt the, uh, a fortnight ago, but he's way too undersized to run with uh, the likes of a Nat Fife. I think they're going to have to head-to-head with Bont. Um, I think that's the only type of matchup that will be able to maybe even contain Fife. I think he is, for me, the number one captain option this week, as you said. 160, 120 at home, not too bad against the Bulldogs. I'm expecting a score similar to that. But if you make me choose somebody else... Um, maybe a little bit out of the box pick, Chizo. I'm thinking Max Gorn. He's averaging 116 this year. Against Nank, who isn't the best tap rapper, but moves around the ground, might make Gorn, you know, shuffle around the ground a little bit more. And it's a big game. It's a big stage, which Gorn, you know, always always performs in. So I think he's a safe, um, consistent option. I don't believe you're going to end up with like a sub, you know, 80 score. I've jinxed it now, Chizo. But uh, I think you're more <laughs> likely just to get that 110, 120 in case, you know, things have gone sour. So, um, yeah, five for me. And if you don't know five, I think I'd be looking at a gone. But obviously, you know, Dusty's always there as well. You just kind of never know what you're going to get, Chizo. So um, that one, yeah, that one's a, a bit of a variance pick. Yeah, that's not bad. And uh, just to kind of back you up there, he scored 160 against Richmond in his last game that he played them. So, um, yeah, fair play. I'll, I'll, I'll pay that pistol. I, th- I think that's not too bad. <laughs> no, thank you very much, Nicey. <laughs> oh, jeez. A little bit of Nicey in all of us there, pistol. Um, hey, <laughs> I, 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 put out the, uh, I put out the question on Twitter if there are any questions uh, they want it, uh, people want it answered on the podcast. Uh, a lot of them we've naturally already covered. We've talked a, a lot of, uh, about a lot of them. Um, Billings and Hibbard had coming up a lot, pistol. What are your thoughts? About, I'm assuming, holding and tra- trading both of yes. them. I think Billings, for me is a big hold. I know he's playing poorly at the moment. I'm expecting poor scores for about the next four weeks, which is hard to hear. And he's probably going to drop to about 400K, which is also hard to bear. But at the end of the day, he's playing this badly and he's still averaging 82. So it's not really the end of the world. And I still feel like, you know, the Saints have to pick it up. They've got too much talent in a young team where they, they can't be this poor for the entire season. And as soon as they pick it up, it's going to be Billings leading the charge. And I mean... At some point, if it flicks on, which I'm assuming it will flick on, he's just going to average 100 flat for the rest of the season. Kind of like last year after about round 7 or 8, he just averaged 100 for the rest of the year. So I'm thinking Billings for me is a a big hold. Hibbard, on the other hand, he might score well this week just because they're ins and outs, but I just don't see it from him. He's, he's, He's completely different than last year. I mean, Lever, the introduction of Lever is kind of changed him up. He's not taking as many kickings as well on top of that. And for me, Hibbard just has got to go. I think you'd be better off trading Hibbard to a Heaney 
or Hibbert to a McLean, Hibbert to a Gray, and just fixing that forward um, spot because a lot of the forward rookies are struggling to score and just open up that extra bench spot, um, not bench spot, extra rookie spot in that defender line and get more of those uh, rookie defenders on the field because they're all scoring so well, Chizo. Yep. Really happy with that. Okay. Mossy says, pick one of McRae, Oliver, or Gibbs. Ooh. For me, it's got to be Oliver. Um, he's just had three massive scores and one poor Ben Jacobs tag score. He's at 600K and he's not going to get any cheaper than this at pretty much possibly for the entire season. And he's got a great buy. Inside mid is just really hard to stop. As I said, he's already played Ben Jacobs. So uh, there's pretty much a zero downside um, with, with picking someone like Clayton Oliver right now. Love it. Nathan says, is Bonner to Sicily a good trade this week? Uh, Pistol, I think that's that's not too bad. I, I, I don't mind that one at all. Um, and uh, Joshy Reese, uh, one of my favorites. What's the key to a Chizo chase down, a good Chizo chase down, Pistol? What's a, what's a key to that? <laughs> the, the key is hoping. Um, well, it's, it's not hoping. The key is to start very badly and then... <laughs> Save all your trades, wait for the person trying to chase down to run out of <laughs> trades by round five, and then just, you know, naturally trade better and make it work. It's it's quite a simple formula, Cheese. I see it happening quite often. It's a it's a really simple formula. It's uh, it's called false sense of security. Let pistol burn through all his trades while you just hold back and uh Cheese I chase down the whole way home, mate. So that's how I've done it in previous years. That's how I do it again this year, mate. Except uh, <laughs> I've got to give you a bit more room. I need to do something something silly. Give myself a couple donuts so you get a little bit further ahead. I'm already hot on your heels. So uh, maybe we'll have to think about that. Hey, Pistol, we're pretty much running out of time. It's been fantastic having you on there, mate. No, thanks very much for, for having us. Unfortunately, uh, no nothing to report on the Cancer Council um, side this week. Hopefully uh, this week we... I mean, not hopefully you guys get uh, donuts and have to donate for donuts, but uh, maybe there'll be a donation or two in the Cancer Council. That would be fantastic. We'll, we'll pop the link up. And Chizo, obviously, yeah, I was going to say you can say it, but I'm just going to say it now since I'm, since I'm already talking. Uh, you can find us on Gmail at drscpod, that's drsupercoachpod at gmail.com. We'll do our best to answer your questions before lockout. Um, we've had a little bit of um, issues this week with our timing, obviously, because uh, I've filled in on two podcasts this week. So um, we might struggle this week to get, get them in, but we'll, we'll do our best. We haven't missed an email so far before lockout. And uh, you can find all of us on Twitter. You can find myself at pistol underscore DRSC, uh, JBGB underscore DRSC, and Chizo, of course, Chizo underscore DRSC. I would like to say... Please follow me. I am five likes now behind JB, who started so far ahead of us, Cheezo, and has been giving us crap about being the most popular <laughs> podcaster. Five likes. I'm nearly there. Just get me over the line. Please get me over the line. That would uh, definitely uh, provide us with some good banter for the future podcast, Cheezo. Yeah, well, I think it's because you guys post more. I think uh, I cracked the double ton without even trying. Maybe if I actually started posting <laughs> things, I'd be able to overtake you. So it's quality, uh, not cl- quantity, Chico. <laughs> it's clear to know who's favourite. Uh, we don't plug Nicey's because it's his uh, personal one. Although that'd be funny, a good prank. We just have all these random <laughs> yeah. followers just getting on his personal Twitter. Let's, that'd be awesome. Let's do that later in the year. I'm sure he's actually not going to listen this far, in, so he yeah, won't have be any great. idea. We're planning right, this Pistol. prank community. It's happening. We're, we're going to get Nicey like a hundred followers in a day, and he's going to freak out. Yeah, punked. Awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, appreciate you listening in all the way to this long podcast. Cheezo never shuts up. Appreciate your time, Pistol, and we'll catch you later.